0: Thank you, thank you. That's that's great. You may be seated. I I am pressed for time like the Egyptian mummy, okay? So uh, (laughs) let's don't waste time clapping, okay? Uh, I was blessed by hearing that group sing, Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul. Uh, Now, think for just a minute. Stop and think about it. Think about the time you got saved. Uh, I I was 16 years old. I remember in uh, geometry class early Monday morning, Bill Welch inviting me to go to a Youth for Christ meeting on Saturday night. Uh, He didn't give me a gospel track. He didn't try to win me to the Lord. All he did was invite me to go. And I thought about that all week, and, you know, I, I promised Bill I would go with him. And uh, I began to think, youth for Christ. Uh, okay, youth, I, I, I fit that, okay? Now, you don't believe it, but I was 16 one time, okay? So I was 16 years old, youth for Christ. But then I thought, but I'm not a Christian. And probably it'll all, they'll all be Christians and so forth, so... I tried to find an excuse for not going, but I, I just couldn't find a good one. And Saturday morning as I woke up, I thought, I'm not looking for an excuse. Uh, I'm hopeless. I'm helpless. Uh, I need the Lord. And I'm going to church tonight to get saved. Now, I don't even know what to preach a priest that night. All I wanted him to do was quit preaching so I could go forward and get saved, okay? <laughs> and, and I did, Okay. <laughs> And I, I, re- I remember, and I'll never forget, the wonderful thought that I had, I'm going to heaven. Amen. Now, I went to church on my way to hell, and I went home that night on my way to heaven. And uh, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Nobody in my family was saved and so forth. And I, 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 I had a wonderful thought that night. This is absolutely wonderful. And, it, and by the way, uh, all these years later, it's still wonderful, amen. <laughs> I'm saved. But then the very first thought I had after that was, I wish my dad was saved. And it was several years before I got to take my dad to church one night and see him trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. Don't Don't ever get accustomed to being saved we're saved, we're going to heaven. It doesn't matter what happens to us here on this earth, we're saved and we're going to heaven. So uh, I, I was blessed by hearing that. Now, I, I was not in the chapel service, but I understand it, and I don't know exactly who said it, but they said, now, uh, be, be sure to come tomorrow night uh, because we're going to have a 200-year-old man uh, interviewed. I'm, I'm not sure who made that statement, okay? <laughs> but, but I think the man that made that statement was only 10 years younger than me. <laughs> so that would make him 190, amen? <laughs> now, again, I don't know for sure who made this thing. I wasn't here, okay? But uh, it, it, it has sure been a blessing just to rub shoulders with you people this week. Uh, I, I go all over the country, all over the world for that matter. And I, I never go anywhere anymore that I do not meet a graduate of West Coast Baptist College. And they are serving God all over the world. And some of the greatest servants in the world, I think of many, many now, that have been such a blessing to me as I go to their churches. So, uh, And I I, I look forward, I I hope I live long enough to see many of you and meet you wherever you go and and serve the Lord. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And and, uh, let's stand to honor God's word this morning, okay? Matthew chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his harvest. Notice that statement, laborers into his harvest. Okay. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, He sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour, nine o'clock in the morning, and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go ye also into my vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. And again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour, twelve and three o'clock in the afternoon, and about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. And he saith unto them, Why stand ye idle all the day? They said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. He said unto them, Go ye also into the harvest, and whatsoever is right, that shall you receive when evening was come, the Lord of the harvest saith unto his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more and they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, "These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have become, which have borne the burden and heat of the day." But he answered one of them, said. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that is thine, and go thy way. And I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine eye evil, because I am good? So the last shall be first. The first shall be last. For many be called, but few are chosen. Dear Lord, thank you for the Bible, the Word of God. Thank you for West Coast Baptist Church. Thank you, dear Lord, for the great leadership you have provided through these many years of the existence of this organization, this school. Thank you, dear Lord, for the laborers that are working all over the world that have been trained in this place. And I thank you, dear Lord, for the student body that's here. What a blessing they have been to me this week. Now, I pray, dear Lord, that you'll help me to be a blessing to them today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. In chapter 19, we read about a rich man who came to Jesus inquiring about eternal life? Now, that was a good question. And after the man turned back when Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell what thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have eternal life. Jesus spoke to his disciples about the curse of riches. Look at verse 24 in verse chapter 19. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eyes of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. You say, now, Brother says, what does that verse mean? Uh Ask Dr. Getch, okay? I don't have any idea what it means, okay? I don't know what that needle means. I've I've got a lot of ideas and so forth, but I don't know, okay? But anyway, this is the word of Jesus. And when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with man this is impossible but with, all, with God, all things are possible. Aren't you glad for that statement? Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Good question. And Now, you wouldn't ask that question, okay? But aren't you glad Peter did? And uh, as a result of that question... Jesus gave us the parable that we have read in chapter 20. So there's some good news for us this morning. God in his Bible has a big sign saying, Now hiring. Have you seen that sign recently? Not just in your Bible, but everywhere you go, there's a sign. Hiring, hiring, everybody Somebody come and work for us. They're begging for workers. And the good news is that God has a big sign saying, Help, Wanting. Help, Wanting. Now, for many places, uh, if you can just walk and stand up, they'll hire you. The kind of workers that God is looking for has some requirements that go with it, okay? But the good news is God is looking for labors. Matthew chapter 9. And by the way, I, I suggest sometime this week that you read the whole chapter. I mean, Jesus was so busy doing one thing after another. And then in verse 35 it says, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. By the way, what a great statement. Now I've often thought of preaching literally thousands of churches and met Thousands of preachers and Christian workers, and God uses all kinds of people for His work. But the one thing that is an absolute necessity for success in the Christian ministry is compassion. Without that, there's no success in the Christian ministry. When He saw the multitude, He's moved with compassion because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. By the way, it has never been as plenteous as today. 7.8 billion people. And according to the Bible, every one of them will either spend eternity in heaven or they will spend eternity in hell. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I've got good news for you students. The Lord is looking for some laborers. Laborers. Not celebrities but labors. The Lord is looking for labors. There's a wonderful verse in 2 Chronicles sixteen nine. Listen to it. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Think about it. The eyes of the Lord are looking all over And he's looking for somebody, somebody. Wouldn't it be great if some of us would say today, "Uh, Lord, just look here. I'm ready. I'm available. I'll be a laborer in your kingdom. What kind of people is God looking for, for laborers? Number one, he's looking for people who know and love him. Turn your Bibles for just a minute to Luke chapter fourteen, okay? Luke chapter fourteen, verse twenty-five, and the Bible says, "And there went a great multitude with him." In other words, uh, after he had given that parable about the, uh, the the supper being prepared and everything ready and All they had to do was come and so forth. And a great multitude was following him. And he turned and said unto them, now the average evangelist today, if a great multitude of people were following him, uh, they'd turn around and say, you are the smartest people in the world. You are following the right man. Just come on and I'll take care of everything you need. But notice what Jesus said. And he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, I don't have to take time to say to you today that Jesus was not saying, you need to hate your mother, you need to hate your father, you need to hate your wife, you need... No, 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 no. He's taught us time after time... We are to love one another. And you know that this is a comparative illustration. In other words, your love for Jesus in comparison for your love for anyone else in comparison ought to seem like hatred. In other words, If you want to work for the Lord, be successful in the work for the Lord, then you must have a supreme love for Him. A supreme love. I never will forget Brother Ogawa coming to my house after he had gone home to tell his mother and his brother and his sisters about his conversion to Christ and the fact that he was going to spend his life as a Christian worker. He came to my house and he was looked like a dead man when he got there. And he told me about three days, three nights, 72 hours, nearly non-stop, one person after another, and he made you, trying to, get to tell him, that he must renounce his faith in Christ and, and uh, that he was an embarrassment to his family. He was an embarrassment to his community. He was an embarrassment to his country. And I remember him going into detail, telling me of, about the Buddhist priest and the, and the mayor of the city. He was from a very significant elite family in major Japan. He began to tell me all of those things they did for him. Uh, Finally, the the mother said, so go to to the tombs and and worship your father and tell him you're sorry for what you've been doing. And he said, I told them, I'm sorry, I can't do that. They literally, bodily threw him out of his house. When he got to my house, he looked like a dead man. It scared me when I looked at him. And when they all went all about all the things that he had suffered, and I had to say to them, "So, God, I don't have any idea what you're going through. I've never been through anything like that." But I said, "God knows." We got on our faces before God that night, and I heard him pray like this: "Dear God." You know I love my country. And by the way, he is thoroughly Japanese. (laughs) You know I love my country. Dear Lord, you know I loved my father. You know I love my mother. I love my brothers. I love my sisters. Lord, I love them. But Lord, more than all of them, I love you. I could not help but think that night God is making a diamond. The only difference between a diamond and a piece of coal is the amount of pressure that is applied. Question. Do you love the Lord? By the way, if you do every once in a while, wouldn't it be a good idea to tell him? Or you say, he knows I love him. Uh, I'm reminded of the couple that went to a counselor. They were having problems. And uh, the counselor, after listening to their problems and so forth, uh, he went over to the lady. He picked her up. He gave her a big hug and a kiss. And he said to the man, now that's what your wife needs about three times a week. And the fellow said, okay, okay. I'll bring her in on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, okay? Every once in a while, we'll just get alone with the Lord and tell him how much we love him. Question, do you love God supremely? Then look again at verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Lord, what kind of workers are you looking for? I'm looking for workers that have a supreme love for me. I'm looking for workers who have a selfless obedience. Whosoever does not bear his cross. By the way, when you see the word cross in the Bible, it means only one thing. It means death. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to work for me, if you're going to be successful in the work of God, then you have to have a supreme or a selfless obedience. Now look at the next verse, verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple and that speaks of a sacrificial abandonment. Good news, God is looking for some labors. The fields are white. They've never been so white. The harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. With those three things in mind, let us look at this parable for some guidelines for our lives. Number one, think about this. Don't demand a contract from God. Now, these first people that went out to work, uh, uh, let's read it. And, And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into the vineyard. In other words, they got together with the Lord and they said, okay, uh, let's think about it. You need some laborers. All right. Uh, We will work for you for a penny a day. Could I suggest this morning that you don't try to make a contract with God? Uh, Don't say, now, Lord, if you'll do this for me, then I'll do this for you. That's what they did. We'll work for a penny a day. Hey, by the way, all the rest of them that went out, this is what they had. And he said unto them, go ye into the vineyard, verse 4, and whatsoever is right, I'll give you. Hey, by the way, you can trust that God will give you what you need. You don't have to make a contract. If you'll do this for me, no, 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 no. Dear Lord, here I am. I'm a laborer for you. I'll work for you. And I know that whatever is right, you'll give me. So don't demand a contract. Number two, don't get angry with God because he's good to other people. In other words, God will give you what is right you. God is a good paymaster. He did not pay off every day, every week, every month, or every year. he, he, He may not pay off even in this lifetime, but God is a good paymaster. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Listen to Jesus as he's teaching his disciples about getting totally involved in his work. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust is corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust is corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Wouldn't it be great You know what Jesus is saying? Don't get too heavily involved in earthly, temporal things, but get heavily involved in spiritual, eternal things. By the way, everything that we have, materialistically speaking, my clothes, my car, my bank account, whatever we have, anything bad can happen to it. You know, you buy a new suit. First thing you know, it shrinks or you expand, okay? The same thing happens to dresses, okay? Uh, you buy a new automobile, it, it begins to depreciate and all kind of things can happen to it. And uh, thieves can break through and steal. And today, thieves don't have to break through and steal. All they have to do is steal our identity and they steal us blind. In other words... Anything I have, materialistically speaking, one day will no longer be mine. When I die, I will not take one thing with me that I own on this earth. By the way, every time anybody of any wealth at all dies, somebody invariably asks, I wonder how much they left. And the answer is always the same. They left it all. Amen. Brother Roloff used to say, did you ever see a... You haul a trailer behind a hearse? No. Okay. They left it on. Somebody's well say, where there's a will, there's a lot of relatives. Amen. <laughs> hey, we're not going to take anything with us. When I die, I'll not take anything materialistically with me. When Jesus comes, and it could be today, I'll not take anything with me. So he said, don't get too heavily involved An earthly, temporal thing. You say, Brother says, we're college students. You don't have to talk to us about that. But the curse of America today is materialism. And it doesn't begin when you get to be an adult. Materialism. Don't get too heavily involved, but get heavily involved in spiritual, eternal things. Why? Listen to 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What a great verse, okay? Now listen to this. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. Don't get too heavily involved in earthly, temporal things, but get heavily involved in spiritual, eternal things. Don't think you deserve special treatment. Huh? I mean, uh, those uh, people that worked all day, they watched the paymaster and hear these people that worked only one hour and uh, they, they got a penny, and they supposed that they should have got more. Wait a minute. What did they agree for? They agreed for a penny a day. They got exactly what they agreed for. So don't think that you deserve special treatment. We're servants, folks. Don't Don't, don't look. For the most comfortable, the easiest. No, no, no. We are servants. We're to be willing to go anywhere to do anything that God would have us to do. Number three, don't complain or become jealous because of what God does for others. These people got a penny of day. And, and they began to murmur and complain. They, they've only worked an hour. And uh, I've worked all day long, 12 hours. And we're going to get the same amount. Hey, by the way, was that fair? Tell me, yes or no? Think of it. Was that fair? No, it wasn't fair. I mean, hey, somebody works one hour and he gets a penny. I work 12 hours and I get a penny. Is that fair? But aren't you glad God's not fair? If God was fair, every one of us would go to hell. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, hey, don't be jealous because of what God has done for somebody else. And it doesn't matter how many blessings they've gotten, God has not run out of blessings, okay? Don't complain or become jealous of what God does for others. And then the last thing, don't be overly concerned about what you're going to get. But be very concerned about what you can give. Remember the words of Jesus? It is more blessed to give than to receive. Our great endeavor is to find what the Lord desires for us to do and do it. Look in your Bibles for John chapter 21 for just a minute, okay? John chapter 21. Jesus speaking to Peter. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, verse 18, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt Stretch forth thy hand, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whether thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. Then Peter turned about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, okay, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which he, he is that betrayeth thee. Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? In other words, now th- this is what you're having for me. Now, now, what about John? What about him? Listen to Jesus. And Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? And you know what he's saying? Hey, it's not your business what God's going to do for somebody else. It's not your business what somebody else is going to do. Your great endeavor is to find out what God wants you to do. Let me give you in closing today. You remember the question of Peter? Lord, we have left all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Now, I'm not bragging about anything. I'm going to say okay. But there were three times in Major Sisky in my life when we literally gave up everything that we had to follow the Lord. In 1955, I, 1954, God called me to preach. 1955, I left my job at King's Foundry in Griffith, Indiana. 1954, I made... Eight thousand dollars. You say, "Well, that's not much money." Eight thousand dollars in nineteen fifty-four is equal to eighty-five thousand dollars today. It's a lot of money, don't take. We gave away our house trailer. We were going to buy a new house. We had a house trailer paid for. It. We we're going to buy a new house. We gave away our house trailer. Loaded everything we had in a. 51 Pontiac, and went to Bible school. We gave up literally everything. By the way, that house we were going to buy, it looked so big. It was just a starter house. And uh, I think, how we're giving up this to go to Bible school. 1956, I made $7,000. Not $80,000, 7000 We thought we was giving up a big deal. When we, I was preaching at Howells Anderson College several years ago, and I thought, I think I'll drive by Glen Park in Gary, Indiana and see what I gave up to be a preacher. I didn't dare get off the highway. That's a murder capital of the world. I looked down in there, and I stopped for a minute, pulled off the side of the road, and I said, Satan, you're right. You told me what I was giving up, how much I was giving up, and look, I could live there Man, I wouldn't want to live there, amen. God's good, amen. 1962, realizing that we were in the wrong place in the Southern Baptist Convention. I began to learn things, and I'm not going to get into detail, but I left up a, a good pastorate, and The second largest church in our association was asking me to become their pastor. And I left all of my friends because I knew I was in a compromising position. In fact, at the Southern Baptist Convention in 1961, a good friend of mine and an older preacher than me said, Don, you're going to ruin yourself. You're going to come to a time when you will not have a place to preach. And I remember saying to Brother Archie Oliver, and he loved me. He was trying to do the best for me. I know that. I said, Brother Oliver, if I have to compromise to be a preacher, I don't want anywhere to preach. I left all my friends. I left a good position. I left all kind of opportunities. I left it all. 1960. I we sold everything we had just to get enough money to go to Japan Though I remember selling our bed and wondering if we'd ever get another bed. Uh, I, I remember selling a Ford that was the worst car I've ever had in my life. And I dreaded to sell that because I knew whoever bought it would hate me the rest of their lives.. <laughs> well, I mean, we had practically no money, no support at all, and, and we sold everything we had just to get enough money to go to Japan. Listen to Peter, okay? Then answered Peter and said to him, "Behold, we're forsaken all in fallen thee. What shall we have there for? And Jesus said to him, Verily, I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now listen to this. And everyone that is forsaken houses, our brethren, our sister, our father, our mother, our wife, our children, our lands, For my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting. Couldn't I tell you tonight? Folks, don't let things get in your way of doing what God wants you to do. Pastor.